0: Last things first. Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Comedians, writers, and actors Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson co-host the incredibly successful podcast Guys We Effed," the anti-slut-shaming podcast, which now has more than 200 episodes talking to comedians, porn stars, and more, and a worldwide audience of more than a million listeners. They've taken their show on the road to comedy clubs, theaters, TED Talks, and festivals. Now they've released their first book, Effed. Being sexually explorative and self confident in a world that's screwed. So let's get to it! I know, I, I, just, I just made the
1: right. Yeah? What's gender abusing? <laughs>
0: Race mixing, that was just in Patton Oswalt's new huh? special.
1: Gender abusing? No,
0: no. the phrase race mixing and how oh. how weird of a phrase that is.
1: Race, race mixing. Yeah. So meaning...
0: Like, even if you used it in a positive sense, it would just be weird if you used yeah, it. Race mixing, yeah, sounds like a bad term. I'm for race mixing. It just
1: sounds like some some white person yeah. just doesn't like black people. That's what it makes <laughs> me think of.
0: So, Corinne and Christina, thanks for being here with me thanks. on Last sure. Things First. Uh, so, this is very Last Things First. My mother... Uh-oh. Listens to this podcast, okay. yeah. via her Amazon Echo. Perfect. And, and I was wondering, without saying the name, what would she ask to listen to your podcast? Would she say, "Guys, we please play guys we effed"? Would she yeah. say, "What
2: she would say? Can we curse on here? Yeah." She would say, "Guys, we fucked." Okay. Yeah. But, I'm, but your your question is if your mom didn't want to say fucked, is that the question? No, it's because you, say, it's you more say like without saying it. without it's,
0: saying the uh, Amazon version of Siri because I don't want to set off the uh, machine by saying oh Alexandra's oh 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 oh, oh, oh,
2: oh, 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 oh. okay yeah just guys we <laughs> fucked podcast yeah okay. I, I think it's very important to say podcast Alexa play guys we <laughs> fucked no
1: <laughs> come back
0: Alexa please play last things first
1: oh it didn't listen to you because she's she's already on to guys we fucked oh no that's actually a really funny idea is to like put in cues for people's like media thing.
0: right butlers burger king did that for an ad this year <laughs> oh they did yeah for google home they, oh really they, funny. they said hold this screen up to your up to your computer oh my gosh perfect yeah. burger um, king, they know what's up but you know these are probably questions you didn't even have to consider
1: yeah i like those questions years ago yeah
0: no. Like when you were starting a podcast, you're like now with oh, a robotic butler. Oh, well, yeah. What happens when the when the robots come?
2: I mean, it was only four years ago, but I guess there are more robots now than there were then. Can robots come? I don't know.
0: But four years ago, when you started no, okay. the podcast, did you think you would be sitting here promoting a book and that this would really kind of overtake your life? And no, be no, not, no, not at all. Mm-mm. It's always
1: those ones that go. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. I was like, no one's gonna listen. I don't care. I'll yeah. just say. I'll just be honest and say what I feel. And then, oh no, people listen.
0: <laughs> right, you both went to school to become actresses. No, acting. she went to film
2: school. <laughs> i have a BFA in well, film direction. Well, you went to school, but then you
0: studied acting.
2: Uh, I mean, I have been Your in Your professional bio in stuff, in says you're,
0: you're trained in Stanislavski. Yeah, I mean, you know
2: why I am? I am trained in Stanislavski because uh, at getting a BFA at SVA, they require you to get do acting classes oh, because okay. they say you need to be able to, to understand the process of an actor to direct an actor. Which I thought was great.
0: So your game plan was to become a director?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it still is my game plan. I mean I I like acting and I've you know was in musicals and straight plays my whole for my whole youth. I was in like thirty five plays. But uh yeah, no, I I prefer being a little bit out of the spotlight, directing, writing, that kind of
0: stuff. So what so what was the before I get to you, Christina, so what was the reality T V phase?
2: Oh, I mean, my my best friend, uh, Tommy and I. Uh, I know so
0: little about your were, previous yeah, history. We
2: were cast in a reality TV show that ended up being on the air, and actually, that's a, a weird connection that Rosebud Baker and I have because she, really? she Rosebud Baker, was on the TV oh, show. Oh, right. wait, what, yeah, what show was it's called Girls Who Like Boys Who Like Boys, and it was about straight women and their gay best friends. Oh wow. uh, and it was a show on like i guess it was lifetime it was lifetime or bravo i'm pretty sure it was lifetime if you were living in the city um maybe I like 6 ads, years ago the ads, ads were yeah these huge uh beds and all mm-hmm. the guys and and gals were in the bed and they had a lot of subway promotion but yeah, we shot that for a couple months and then we were fired because they were trying to make us do outlandish things. They were like, they they wanted to send my best friend to rehab. <laughs> and he was like, no, I I want a future. He's like, I can't have like rehab on my, like, you know, if I don't need to go to rehab, I don't want to just in, go to rehab. And they were trying to make me say that I was in love with him. And I was like, but I not, he's, he's a homosexual. When <laughs> you got cast for the show,
1: what was the premise that they told you?
2: it was just the relationship gay guy best friend yeah and like every each we were supposed to be we were like we were like the younger ones and so we were supposed Uh. to have like we were supposed to have be like the party kind of like Mm -hmm. gay and we were we were i mean we were we were club kids we were at every the hottest gay clubs every weekend so that was certainly real but then they just tried to make us messier than we actually were well
0: that's another of the dirty open secrets of hollywood is the fact that reality TV is not real it's so not real?
2: I mean, people know the the that now. I think, imp-
0: yeah. There's plenty of people who watch. and susp- I feel like they don't want to
1: believe right. that it's they scripted, it. and even if they do know that, they're going to pretend
2: that they don't just to enjoy the the
0: program. Right. The
2: programs.
0: Did you feel Did you feel upset that you got fired? In the moment,
2: in the moment, it? I was devastated. But looking back, I'm really glad I got fired because it was just not true to who I was, and those people sucked. And I mean, also like Rosebud will tell you, like no one, no, he's just like no one watched the show.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I didn't even remember. Did she it. have what? to do
2: anything weird? No, I think she because they they had more serious plot lines. I can't remember what her specifically was, but like one of the gay guys wanted to get married. One of them wanted to adopt a kid, and so Aww. it was kind of like the women were like assisting the gay guys in whatever these kind of more serious thing mm. uh, uh, endeavors they had. I mean, if
0: you tell me, it's like do coke and be in love. Yeah, maybe once President Pence takes over, it'll become a more. <laughs>
2: Ooh, cool! It'll become
0: a more dramatic Exciting. premise to resell to Hollywood. Yeah. So, Christina, what were you doing before? You met up with Corinne (laughs) before we met
1: (laughs) up. I moved to New York City. I transferred to colleges so I could intern at Saturday Night Live because that was my dream to be on Saturday Night Live. And
0: um, how hard was it to get that internship?
1: Very hard. I interviewed three times and failed all three times. Mm -hmm. Meaning I didn't get the the internship. And then the (laughs) last semester of my college career, which you can only intern at SNL when you're in college because it has to be for school credit at NBC. They she called Dina Moles, called me and was like, I'm so sorry, Christina, but they're just no one when you're an intern SNL, you don't quit, you just you stay an intern for the rest of your college life. And uh, and she's like, and I was like, so sad, I was crying. I remember I worked at the Apple store and I was like, okay, well, if anybody backs down or doesn't want to do it anymore, call me. And then 20 minutes later, she called me and she's like, you know what, come in on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And I was like, I love you. So that was like one of the best days of my
0: life. Who was in the cast then?
1: Um, Kristen Wiig, uh Amy and Tina just left. Um, Hannibal Burris was those one. Oh, the Hannibal Burris. Okay. That's how I met him. Uh, Jesse was Klein was probably there Jesse too, Klein, Klein was the there. John Mulaney. Michael Bryan mm-hmm. uh, for writers. Jason Sudeikis was a writer Bill, or was an actor. Bill Hader. I would like pass him all the time when he was rehearsing his lines. He took everything so seriously. It's, that's why he's so good. Um, uh, Will Forte, Kristen Wiig, um, Keenan, obviously he was there for, he's been there forever, but I was the Betty White Jay-Z episode. That was the, that was the semester I was on. Oh, nice.
0: Were you able to parlay that into a next gig?
1: Well, I, at the end of the season for SNL, they have a a rap party at the, on the ice skating rink, Mm -hmm. but they remove the ice. And, uh, (laughs) so we can, you know, walk without slipping. And I got drunk and I asked John Lutz, who's a writer on the show, who's an improv guy, he's a UCB guy. I was like, what do I have to do to get on the show? Like, what would you recommend? What path? And he's like, you should do stand up. And I was like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> but I was like, okay, if I must. And I like very reluctantly got into stand up with the
0: hopes of landing on SNL. How long after and starting up How long after starting stand up did you meet Corinne?
1: I've known I'd known her my sophomore year of college and oh. I started stand up right after I graduated. Actually, I invited her to my very first show at Broadway Comedy Club as a bringer. Didn't know you had to do open mics. I just went right to the Bringer show at Broadway mm-hmm. Comedy Club, and uh, it was okay. It was, but I was like, I was very scared and nervous. But I was like, you know what? This is something I can actually envision because I I got my BFA in acting, right? So I had like all four years of Stanislavski, and I was very used to performing in front of people. But with my own words, that was a little scary. Yeah,
2: but yeah. yeah we, we we didn't meet through comedy. We met through a uh, job because I'm a couple of years older. So I was working at a, a management company called Liebman Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we represented actors, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is super exciting. And then Christina came to intern there. So oh, and that's how yeah. we met. And then we just kind of like I was doing I was at, uh, still doing UCB at that time. Upright Citizens Brigade. So. I know you know but for people listening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Were you involved in the improv side or the sketch side more?
2: Improv. I did improv for many years. Yeah.
0: Were you on a Herald team?
2: Uh no, I was not on a Herald team. I I had audition. I was I did do better in sketch like I had got more callbacks and stuff for mod teams because mm-hmm. that's like kind of why I left improv because I was like I'm good, but I'm not great. And I don't foresee me ever being great at that. Like, I always passed my classes on the first try. And I got into 601. But I was just like, I think I'm just going to always be good at this. And that's I have no interest in doing something that I'm only going to be good at.
0: Could you tell that yourself or just by comparing yourself with the other people in your classes?
2: I could tell. I mean, I don't I didn't feel it in my heart the way that I that I feel about things like writing, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, things that I I know I'm like much better at. Uh, And then just by comparison, yeah, I mean, there were some people who were super impressive. You're going to see, you know, the stepfathers, you're going to see TJ and Dave, and you're just like, these people understand this on a level that I don't think I'm going to be able to understand it, nor do I really have, I didn't feel like the desire to put that much work into it. Like, I can tell I love something when I want to put work into it. I just liked it. Like, I liked improv. I found it to be very cathartic. But, you know, it's something where you have to rely on that many other people. Like, no thanks.
0: So you're doing uh, one-person shows. Were you also doing stand-up at the time or –
2: no, it was mostly later. separately because once I started stand-up, I realized very quickly how much time needed to be dedicated to have a, a career in stand-up. So I pretty much, as soon as I started stand-up, I realized that was the thing that clicked the most uh, for me and I quit everything else. So the one-woman show happened. And then because I was on like the storytelling circuit and I'm meeting people who would go on to be like great storytellers for The Moth like David right. Crabb um, – uh then i just like i kind of like someone came up to me one day and was basically like oh i loved your stand up and i was like well that was storytelling not stand up <laughs> and they were like well you should do stand up and then i from that day on
0: i did stand up at what point did the two of you decide to do your own show sorry about last night
1: that was our comedy duo the name of our yeah. comedy duo so she when corinne came to my show at broadway comedy club she was like let's would you be interested? She reached out to me on Facebook afterwards and she was like, would you be interested in doing a, a project together? And then in addition to, you know, pursuing standup separately. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know what I'm fucking doing. It's better to, it's always good to have, to go in and have a project with another person just so you can, it's, it keeps you on your toes creatively and it just forces you to, to, um, you know, think of different ideas. And yeah, it was really, it was a good compliment to pursuing stand up. What
0: well, yeah. was the first project you did together?
2: Uh, was it the rap video or was it a think,
1: show at Gotham City? Improv? I think we,
2: yeah, we started a live show and then maybe like probably at, around the same time we're also shooting some videos. Yeah. So I remember, I remember one of our first
1: in our meeting at Corinne's loft in Brooklyn. We, she was like, okay, we got to go to these Halloween parties and meet these people. Cause like there'll be people from UCB there who do stand up. we'll introduce ourselves and kind of like plotting out like we got to get into the scene. So here's how we're going to do it.
2: Right. I mean, cause I had this nice, uh, uh like backward round in like the other side of entertainment. So I had a pretty high level of understanding how to network, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like, cause I, I, that job was very hard on me. Uh, but I'm glad I did it because I learned so many pieces of information that I would later use for my career and our career. For free, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I always like I like try to manage all my friends just because I like see them making like really poor career moves, and I'm like I can't watch this go down. I need, <laughs> I need
1: to. It's hard in. to direct yourself, you know. It's hard to like take a step back a lot of the times for people. So it's nice to have somebody with that eye. Oh you yeah, know?
0: you need to to talk to other people. You need to have friends in your life that can give you perspective.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Like I my my manager really good at giving stand up notes. And I'm like, thank God, because with me, like, I'll listen back to my sets all the time. And I'm like, there's something to beat. Something's not right. Right. And then he'll go in and be like, because you're not connecting with this. I'm like, ah, you brilliant.
0: I feel like, at least in my experience as an observer, when I see famous comedians start to lose it or go off the rails, it's because they're surrounded with yes people who are. Either want to suck up to them or oh, to, are yeah. too, too afraid to give them bad news. I hate,
1: Corinne and I hate that. Like, we have, a, I hate, we hate when people are, are very kiss assy because it's like, well, that's not going to help. I, if you see my set, I'm not interested in your compliment. Like, what do you, I would like to know what you liked about it so I can hone in on that but also I want to know what you thought didn't make sense or what didn't connect or what was mm-hmm. rocky to you like that's what I want to know.
2: Yeah, yes people to death is is the demise of anyone in uh, entertainment not just comedy. I mean it truly I mean like watch the Lady Gaga documentary. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, and I think Five a lot of two. Yeah, people like, yeah, people uh, revert, a lot of celebrities revert to this childlike behavior. And it's because it's not normal for an adult to kind of be coddled the way that people in the entertainment business are coddled. Like anytime I feel even like th- that's happening in the slightest, I like try to bat it away. I'm like, no, I'll do it. But like, let me carry my own shit. Let me get you Yeah, know. Yeah, It's. I think it's a really dangerous territory to, that, that can come up on you pretty quickly. Yeah, we
1: always tell our agents like, stop. Cool with the compliments, but like, tell us what we could be doing better. Give us feedback. <laughs> it's on a waste.
0: Of cri- time. Critical feedback. Yeah. Karen, you mentioned watching your friends make mistakes. What's What's the most common thing you see for the people on the come up before uh, they get famous? Oh
2: God. I mean, a lot of making albums way too early. Mm. I mean, for comedians, that's what I see in play, in in a venue that's not going to give you the audience uh, response that you uh deserve or that you want to have on an album like before anyone wants to buy your album so then all that material is like trash no one's going to want it mm-hmm. um th- signing with uh representatives just because you're dying to have a representative and not really uh realizing that well number one once you sign with a representative like you're still doing i would say 85% of the work yourself uh and it, it's very it's it's even more dangerous, I think, to have a bad representative than it is to have no representative. Honestly, yeah. so it's dangerous for your money and it's dangerous for how people perceive you. Um, it's a bad start to your yeah. career. Hmm. Ryan Reese always
1: told me, like, oh, it, act like you're a man. You own a restaurant and your reps are your the manager of the restaurant. So you have to say, you have to direct people. And I thought that was really good advice.
0: I think the first time I saw the two of you was at comics.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was a bringer show. I can't even believe we you were there. Jimmy. That was literally Jimmy my Fela. first show.
0: Oh, wow. Jimmy yeah.
1: Fallon, Ryan Reese. And I took a, I made Jim Gaffigan take a picture with me. And I was like, Karine, can you take it? And she's like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I just wanted to get pictures. Wasn't Judah there too, I think? Oh, maybe it was Judah, not Jim. Judah, See, they were both there. Well, oh, they were. I mean, they were among... Go- Gotham, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: but That's judah would I always know. show up at comics
0: yeah, yeah. but I was like he was a frequent drop in it. comics with an x
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and i was, not, was like, like play, play cool christina yeah. i know i was like can i get a
1: picture with <laughs> and my middle, very nice. my middle school teachers came to that show
2: and then we went, dr- got drunk after. It was fun. It was a good night. Yeah, yeah I like had this table of, like, 14 gay men there to see me. <laughs> I would have never made it through bringer shows without all my gay friends. They're the only people who had money and, like, cared to watch <laughs> entertainment. So, thank God. It's bringer shows are weird. Yeah.
0: Where Where were you two at in your careers when you started Guys We Fucked?
1: In the our careers? We had yeah. We local success, but that was, about, yeah. you know, that was about it. But we, I mean, for, I, and Corinna always thought this, too, but I was, I was always, like, we're gonna make it. I just don't know how, but we're gonna do it. And so I, I always had this attitude of like, let's just keep keep doing project after project after project. And then um, when guys we fucked happened, it was uh, post breakup for Corinne, and then she. Well, had that was the, me. that was the
0: impetus of it. Yeah, Correct. exactly,
1: exactly. So yeah. we we had had a, a show at Brooklyn Winery that was really big. Um, so we had like a local draw. And yeah, I mean, we just had a lot of stuff going on. We had a two woman show at UCB. Right. Um, we were
2: able to sell it, would, like to pack a show in New York with like 60 yeah. people anytime we did it, which I mean, that's it's pretty good. That's not bad. <laughs> I wish every show I performed at in a bar had 60 people. Right, I relative know. to everybody else in the comedy great. scene. Great. Yeah. 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 And we, yeah. Got, we, got, we made rush. sure. Like our first show at Brooklyn Winery, Kevin Meany, Hannibal
1: Burris, uh, uh, all, who the fuck else? There was Mark Norman. Mark Norman, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of... Like, it was a good... I was like, go us. Okay. Yeah. I remember flyering
2: in Williamsburg. These you, comics from, like, Rhode Island told me they were they were like, yeah, we took a trip in from Rhode Island to see that show. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was Whoa. a good lineup for, it like, was. five or ten dollars, whatever
0: the hell we were charging. Really yeah. cheap. Yeah. yeah. And that was at the winery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had you done podcasts together before this
1: No. One? I mean, I, no. I listen to podcasts a lot, but I, we, I'd i never – and that was before, like, everyone had a – like, right. so many people have podcasts now. It's almost like they feel like it's an obligation. Um, so that's the
0: only reason I'm doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. But, yeah, we – the podcasting was the best medium for, for, the, for the project because well, it's like you're not going to get a guy to come on and talk about fucking – honestly – if there's cameras on them or if it's live, mm-hmm, right? Because you
2: know? we were kind of against podcasting. Like we had discussed it, and we're yeah. just like, oh, like it's so funny because four years ago we were like, oh, everybody has a podcast, yeah. and now there's like 27, but if you don't have more a podcast, podcasts, it's like if you don't
1: have tattoos, you're unique.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that is literally the reason. Like I, I respect people who don't podcast. I was just like you. I I said, why would I have a podcast? There's too many yeah. podcasts already, and then, right. And but, then but I was embarrassed that I didn't have one.
1: Right, right. Well, you you will find an audience and it's a great way to reach, reach people internationally.
0: When uh where were you doing it in the beginning, the podcast?
1: Stand up New York Labs. Yeah. Okay. We went there. We had like this magazine basically that we we made of exactly what we wanted the podcast to be, all these descriptions and ideas for episodes and we really really fleshed it out We well. pitched it, yeah. Yeah, and we went to them, we had a meeting and they were like this is we were like this is what we want to do and they're like okay.
0: And you were doing one a week to start at the start? We've always one? done one a week, okay. yeah.
2: Yeah, we have bonus episodes that we do now, but those
0: ones are subscription-based. How many episodes in did you realize this was going to be something bigger than you thought it was?
1: I remember after our first episode recording, because we recorded five episodes before we released anything to have a backlog. Right. And then after the first episode, and this still happens today, where uh, the first episode was great. It was really fun and interesting. We interviewed Vinny, uh, who's a comedian, and uh, and the guy Corinne fucked. And then we... um. And I thought it was like, oh, this is really fun and cool. And then afterwards, I remember the the guy who was producing it at the time, the, uh, I believe it was Aaron, was at the board. He was like, that was amazing. And I was like, oh, was it? Because I can't like when we even still when we do the podcast, like I don't. I'm like, oh, was that episode good? I guess it was. I don't have any. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to tell like how it was. It's just fun to do it. So so that was uh, that was the first time I was like, oh, maybe. He, re- he got really excited. I just remember how excited Aaron was after we recorded our first episode. So that was like, oh. And then we got press almost immediately after. Corinne's friend worked at the Daily Beast. Oh. And uh, he, <laughs> he t- coined our first uh, headline. It was the podcast too hot for iTunes. Yeah. And that was a good... Yes, for online. an
2: exclusive, and I was like, you know, like I LOL. Take whatever you want. Like <laughs> sure. I was like, I was just like, I was like, sure, you can have the exclusive. Like right. being like silly about it, and then it turned out it really was. He really did get yeah. in on something early. I mean, I always thought the idea was brilliant, but I mean, to you, you would I would just never. I don't even know any podcast besides like Mark Maron's at the time that right. had even reached levels uh, of this nature so it was just weird it just wasn't even a concept that i had thought about yeah
1: we honestly didn't think anybody would listen. that's at, why i was like ah, at what point,
0: did, what what point did it start affecting your comedy careers
1: um mm, i i a couple months in honestly like i noticed people paying more respect to they were respecting us more
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh I, I that was the first time when like the daily beast article was really good that was like that a couple months domino, after, right? Yeah. I think so. It was
2: pretty soon. I mean, and it a dominoed into yeah. a
1: lot of other press.
2: <laughs> I had no idea like I don't Me fucking either. read internets at, oh I mean, internet <laughs> you don't read internets I don't I don't I don't like I'm not like big on like article you know I don't know I'm just not into that Steven, it's all it's all it's all fucking lines anyway I, I didn't know I, I wasn't reading the daily beast much either and then Steven reads the daily beast and mm-hmm. he gets
1: emails every morning and we were one of the top articles on the And he, I remember I woke up and Steven was like oh my god look you're in my daily beast e- daily email and I was like oh that's cool and then that that's when I was like oh my god people are actually gonna listen to this oh no, no. I, I know as a
0: journalist that Headline, I mean, it can be click considered clickbait, but it's I also, guess, yeah, it was, but true. It's, also, it's also one of those headlines that'll, I mean, it, it, it'll work, yeah. yeah. I
2: remember that day vividly. I mean, that was the it'll day I get
0: iTunes attention too, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it, and it did, yeah. I mean, I think I believe that's the reason that my current manager even he just sent me an email based off that article. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I'm like, I was really impressed, I'm really impressed to this day that he kind of, I mean, that's a sign of a good manager that you see you see something before it kind of explodes that's that i mean that's what talent scouting is like right. i was i was like wow this is cool yeah and then it started to heat up pretty quickly from there cuz right after that we got a article in huffington post oh yeah and that headline was and insane. that was huge yeah N- it,
1: yeah that headline was uh, meet the women changing the way we think about female sexuality and i was oh. like god <laughs> damn huffpo that's quite a title and then that i think that's when i had like a, a little mini panic attack of like oh, no people are gonna hear me talking about my pussy
0: Did, but whatever was there pressure <laughs> either from outside or from yourselves to to start trying to do live shows no, we were doing or, live
2: shows. We have been doing you know, live shows but before. But the live show of the
0: podcast. Oh, that
2: didn't no. come along until we signed with CAA yeah. and then had a touring division. But we kind of always knew that we would need uh, representation to make that what it needed to be. Because yeah. a podcast is easy to kind of wrangle on your own with as just like two people because right. you're doing everything from your computer. But as far as like booking venues and oh, like yeah. going, you know, touring nationally and internationally. That's too difficult for yeah. us to do on the level that it needed to be done on our own.
0: So what was the moment that that triggered CAA and you guys to get together? Was there a lot of press? Was there an episode or? A-
1: I don't know. You know, you know, oh, Praveen. I remember Praveen Pandian at CAA. is one of our mm-hmm. agents. He messaged me on Facebook because he went to Penn State. And I and he was like, "Hey, uh, my name's Praveen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both Penn State alum." And oh, you're uh, a Penn State alum? Yeah, yeah. Well, my, I went there for one year.
0: My parents are Penn State alum. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so and my had, mom will. My mom come back to the podcast. We
1: are. <laughs> um, and um, and so we had mutual friends mm-hmm. that I knew, like grad students at Penn State when I went there. And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." And then I was like, "Oh yeah, CAA's is kind of a big deal." And so uh, I let Corinne know, obviously, and then we um we met them we had a meeting uh it was one of my the first times i've ever sat at like a giant conference room table in like beautiful sunny la with like all these like the full floor to ceiling mirror uh windows it was very fancy uh and then we had a show that night at the comedy store guys we fucked in friends we called it we sold out the main room Mm -hmm. and um which was great because I was like, and then we had all these fans afterwards, like wanting us to sign stuff. I'm like, dude, and I would try to get him to scooch in front of the agents. And I was like, oh wait, what'd you say again? <laughs> you want me to sign this? Okay. And um, and, but I the like the look on Praveen's face when he was outside in the like that little lounge area, mm-hmm. the outdoor thing, and uh, at the comedy store I was like, oh goddamn, and I was like, yes, we got
0: him. Yeah, but you did that show yourselves without. Oh yeah.
2: Well, we no had no agent. Oh, able we to had to
0: out the comedy store. We already had a, managers.
2: Yeah, though. we had managers. I, I think. Yeah, I was with. That's a natural progression, Rick. you know, to get manager, and then the manager helps you get an agent. So. Right, but to
0: do a guys we effed live show instead of just you two and friends.
2: Right. How do we even make the connection with the comedy store, though? Um, Rick, maybe. I don't know how I got put in touch with Emily.
1: Mm. Emily uh, at the Comedy Store books like the in- more independent shows and stuff in uh, the room. Yeah, She's amazing. I, I love yeah. her. Yeah.
0: She's great. She's so
1: cute and adorable and hardworking.
0: And she lets me use their podcast. Today. Yeah, Why we've used there? that
1: too. And it's fucking haunted. <laughs> it's yeah. haunted. We've interviewed Bobby Lee and Nikki Glazer there. And Bobby Lee told us a story of seeing outside the window next to where we were sitting, mm-hmm. uh, just like this guys floating head and he's like i hadn't been and then i didn't go back for a year and i was like holy shit and it feels that could just be bobby lee though no but it's notoriously (laughs) haunted that place like it's got a lot of of history used to be a mob place Mm -hmm. and then they used to like administer illegal abortions there and all this crazy stuff yeah that's why the belly room is called the belly room
0: so when was that when was that show at the comedy store
1: that was the dates for that? November, three
2: years ago, November, four years ago. No, it wasn't three, four years ago. Uh, I think three, maybe. I thought it was only two, but I guess maybe it was two. I thought we've only oh. been with CA for two years. Possibly.
1: <laughs> no concept of time anymore. Or I, I, I never know what day it is. Because no. we've only sent them one round of
2: Christmas gifts, right? Or two. Or, yes, or two. because we only got one, one round of Christmas gifts. It would and be was two, though. And like the first one was like the, yeah, no, we got two. There was one that was like. Pu- like planet puzzle pieces or something. I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember times by either what I ate, what I wore, or something I bought. So I have to remember. Yeah, getting Christmas yeah. gifts. Well, for maybe, your yeah, teams. it was only like where t- our relationship is pretty new. With them. oh, good. Okay, yeah. Well, I've three.
0: been Facebook friends with you, Corinne, longer than with Christina, and what I remember. <laughs> I think that was your fault. Uh Sorry. Well, Christina, but, Christina but I, accepts
2: a lot of people, everyone, just um, no criteria. So she had like, you're maxed out, right? Almost. Yeah. But
1: ever, I always, it, the number always goes down to like 4,994. I'm uh, like, okay. I feel like Facebook just removes friends. They do. hundred yeah. Because I don't unfriend people. And then people come up to me and like, why are you unfriend me? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I
2: didn't do it on purpose. It just decides that your friendship is over.
0: So but I, I bring it up because I, I remember this point. I don't remember what the year was, but I remember this point where the podcast was popular, but you would you would post things on Facebook about how you were working in a spa.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, still, I, I mean, I'm like,
0: how am I going to get out of this? Popular podcast. I, I just doesn't... had this. I just had this podcast, and now I'm back at this spa job.
2: Yeah, it was. It, it was a really interesting time because it yeah. was. You were. We were. You were enjoying a lot of success in the comedy community by night, but then by day, I was like still <laughs> a very regular ass person. <laughs> yeah, she you had so to get. Had like, to work at eight a.m. I loved it. I loved that job, and honestly, I still miss it to this day. I go to that spa because it's by me, and every time I call him, it's Corinne's voice. She does the voicemail. Oh. I got a free massage to do the voice. Fuck yeah, I was gonna do that. Cause <laughs> well, my boss was like obsessed with the fact that I was a comedian and he would like, he mm-hmm. saw like us in Time Out New York and he like clipped it and like hung it in the break room. Aww. It was really nice cause I think he, he had, he runs this really successful, um, you know, couple of spas right now, mm-hmm. but he had had dreams of being an actor and he would always Aww, like come to the cute. front desk and like do little performances and tell me jokes. Well, you know, it's funny speaking of that first time we were at
1: the comedy store, we, uh, we had Dane Cook on the show last mm-hmm. minute cause Neil, you Neil know, Brennan Brendan had texted me, like, the day of the show, and he, he was like, I don't know if I can make it tonight to the show, because I have a dinner, and it's far away, because the traffic thing. And I was like, okay, well, let me know. And so we were... I was pretty positive he was going to back out, so we got Dane Cook to do it. Our friend John Campanelli, who's a comic who's friends with him, okay. uh, asked him, and then he he watched our opening, like, us coming out on stage, and, like, the reaction, mm-hmm. and then in the main room, when you sell it out, and everyone's there for you, it's like this crazy yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's big, it's big, and, it's big and, and then he came came backstage to say hi to us and we're like hey dane and uh and he was saying like you guys that's a that's you guys got fans that's impressive and then he was telling us how when he started getting successful and he but he was still working at a pizza store mm-hmm. and he had to like balance this weird. like people were asking for his autograph but then he had to go to work in the morning and it was this really interesting it was really cool to like get that respect from him and to have him tell us that story i was like wow
2: Right. And no matter what you think of Zane Cook, I mean, he is one of the first examples of someone who really saw the value in having a very close relationship with fans. I remember watching an interview with him where he would kind of like go on AIM uh and he would just leave it on and that's r.i.p aim yeah that's I how know. he got one of AOL his representatives like he went he went into an agent's office and he's like and he's just like i have fans and he signed on to aim and so many people uh messaged him that the computer uh froze oh wow yeah and yeah. i and i'm like that's and that's great he's he, and he's still to this day you can tell is very serious about fans
1: yeah and we very much try to like and we told him this like model that relationship off of how he conducted his relationship with his fans and like we always say hi to people after the show and we always like take the time to talk to people because that's so important because that's that's who gets you there
0: so you've been doing the, the podcast now for for over four years I it'll see, be four I, years in December I've seen you uh, do the podcast at Montreal yeah uh, oh yeah and oh you see and, Miss Pat yeah that one that I mean, was well, one Miss of the best great.
1: yes She's one she of my is. favorite episodes. That was the first day I met her was that morning. Yeah, we didn't know her. I was like, who is this angel? But,
0: but as we talk now in October of 2017, you know, we're seeing this rise of kind of women doing what you kind of have been expressing this whole time about, like taking back control of your body. And Oh, yeah. You know, are we witnessing a moment now? Or do you think...
1: We've been trying to do that for a while. Right, you've been
0: trying to do this. So... What's your perspective on where we're at as a society? Um,
1: Well, we are at a point where more people are talking about it and more people who are her. I I, we say this a lot, but like one of the things that doing the podcast has taught me is that 99 percent of the human population has been sexually harassed at some point, either molested or raped or groped or something because we hear about it all the goddamn time. And it's an epidemic. And so it's there's a lot of comfort in in coming out of sorts it's very inconvenient to be a victim of sexual assault uh because of all the reactions that you're going to get negative and positive but um where are we today we're still fucked uh and we have a long way to go and i i hopefully we're i i I want to make sure that the society is making progress towards figuring out what the fuck is wrong with people and why this keeps
2: happening but i want to men it's mostly men. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's and a lot of justification of women and how we're viewed by society as not whole humans. As less than. I mean, yeah. it has this needs to start way earlier. Like we're trying to talk to now adults and like this should have been conversations that were starting literally as young as preschool. And yep. in other countries they do do that. I mean, I think there's ebbs and flows in sexuality as well. Uh I think the 90s was a lot more progressive sexually than the early 2000s. Mm. I mean, you had people, uh, you know, especially in the entertainment business like I mean, it's a kind of a weird example, but like Salt and Peppa were raving about the things that we still have to reiterate right. e- e- decades and decades ago, and it's crazy. I just feel like a, a broken gun. And then Christina Aguilera comes out and say it, and it's like then all of a sudden we just forget these messages. I mean, not that we should be getting all our most important messages from entertainment, but I think it is. It's it's consumed by everyone, no matter your race, gender, or economic situation. So I think it is a it's it's a powerful. Way to get a message across.
0: How, how does it make the two of you feel that after starting out as as actresses or stand-ups wanting to be the directors that that you have this powerful voice? Feels good. For this movement.
2: I mean, I've always had a powerful voice, even if I was yelling <laughs> alone in my room. So it's not like now it's not listen. new. It's <laughs> it's just nice to. It's nice to know that people uh, care about stuff like this, and they want to be part of the conversation. And if we could give the gift of like a voice to people who felt like they had to be silent, I mean that that's that's really what stand up is about. Because we're still stand ups at heart, and I mean mm-hmm. what what that's what stand ups do. They kind of bring things to light that a lot of people are too scared to talk about. And that goes into a whole nother thing. It's like, yeah, you're scared of sexually assaulted. I'm, as a woman, I'm also scared as a comedian of being told that I can't say the things that I want to say. And it's going to end, where America's on its way ending up, like, in Canada, we're gonna where we're gonna get, have comedians being fined for for jokes. Right. Uh, 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 Owen Benjamin, who is a comic who I love, who I certainly have a lot of different opinions from him, but I think he's smart. I think he thinks for himself. He was just he, tweeting yesterday that um, the Brea Im- Improv. Uh, he's been performing there. He headlines it once a year, every year for eight years, and they just canceled uh his his headlining show for this year without even telling him uh because of comments he made that they construed to be racist didn't his reps fire him too he's been fired by his idiots and so it's really he's been getting a lot of social media fights people and i honestly i follow him very closely on social media i talk to him a a lot and it's it's I, i think it's really scary uh that more people aren't especially more comedians aren't outright raged by the behavior of clubs i understand a club is a business but you are in the business of comedy yeah (laughs) which it has to be if if comedy isn't on the side of free speech and is trying to make hate speech this different thing which constitutionally it is not i mean that it's that that just fires me up. It's like you gotta be
1: able to. I disagree <clears throat> with a lot of the shit Owen Benjamin like says on social media, but he's really passionate about it, and he's still funny. Even if I don't agree with the point he's making, he's right. a comic. He's being hilarious. I don't care that I don't agree with it, and it's like you don't have to raise a fuss about it if you don't agree with something or if something offends you. Be offended. Ask ask yourself why or why not if you want to, and then right. move the fuck on. It's and like he's super funny and he's super intelligent. intelligent. He's one of the funniest comics I've ever seen. I mean, he's great.
0: He's good on the piano, too. He's
1: he amazing. Is good on the piano. Beautiful <laughs> voice.
2: Tall beautiful drink of water. Beautiful family. Oh, God, what a... Well,
0: we'll save that for the Owen Benjamin episode. Yeah, big uh, fans, big
2: fans. Yeah,
1: have him come in here. Yeah. It's just like, next time he's in town. It's weird when people get offended. And it's like comedy's the one fucking sacred place where you could say, a comedy club, you say whatever you want. Like, say... Even if it doesn't land, like, I can tell when comics do jokes that are like they just come off as like super offensive and racist or second, whatever. It's like, well, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to make a joke right. here about something edgy and it's you just got to find it. You haven't found it yet. It doesn't yeah. matter.
0: Yeah. I was just the watching,
2: end. yes, because I'm, I'm watching the CN, you know, CNN history of comedy and then you see Lenny Bruce not too long ago getting arrested for his comedy and you're like, are we going to go back to that? Because I feel like we are. It Censorship in, it is It goes fear. in
0: waves. Yeah. It goes in waves. Yeah,
2: People
1: censor what they're afraid of.
0: But I'm glad that uh, you know the two of you are not afraid.
1: <laughs> we <laughs> are have, not. And have been and, a little too unafraid. Well, I mean, <laughs> but that could be a good thing. I have, I have, I have every because fears, because it, it allows
0: you to, it allows you to, to have the courage to, to speak out about.
1: Yeah. It doesn't about really sex and about yeah, all these other things. Never took cur- I never thought of it as courageous or brave or uh, honestly anything. I just, cause I, I was like, well, this is how we talk when we're hanging mm. out. So let's bring that conversation to a bigger platform because that's how a lot of people talk when they're talking to their closest friends about sex stuff. And then if they don't talk that way, they kind of want to. Right. So it's like, that's why it resonates.
0: But the fact is, before you guys, it was more like Dr. Ruth or Loveline or... Yeah, yeah. Just...
1: Uh, I was watching Sex in generic. the City this morning and I was obsessed with that show. And that was one of the first time. Like, I just watched the episode Are We Sluts and, uh, in season three. And it's so... I remember when I was 15 watching that show, being obsessed with it, thinking like, this is so edgy. I love it. And like, <laughs> wow, these women don't give a fuck. I'm obsessed with them.
0: And what do you think watching it now?
1: Uh, they cared a lot about men liking them. And, uh, but whatever. I mean, that, the show was called Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still love the show. It takes me back. It's one of the things that's very close to my heart. Sex and the City means a lot to me. And I feel like I've grown up to be a comedic Carrie Bradshaw. Because I, I, like, when I was writing the book, I would literally be at my laptop by the window smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And with like my blonde curly hair and like, a, a, a underwear and a tank top. And I was
2: like, oh my god, I'm
1: Carrie Bradshaw. Oh.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing the TV show that they base off of your (laughs) soon-to-be-best-selling
2: book. Yeah, us too. (laughs) Please give us a call. Yeah, let me know when it comes out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll do. In the meantime, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Last
1: Things
0: First This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios.